So here we're going to do a quick little bonus episode. Remember I mentioned the three marks of existence. Mm-hmm. So let's just talk about those. These are very, very important. You're going to see why as we discuss them. Okay? So the very beginning, oh, you're going to love this too because we're going to talk about Pyrrhonism and that arrogance of the white man. Okay? But first, let's talk about the three marks of existence. Maybe the four. <laughs> I'm a yoga Karen, so you'll, you'll understand. So, very important. We have um, anicca, right? Sabe sankhara anicca. Anicca. All sankharas, conditioned things, are impermanent. Remember we talked about the skandhas? This is the same root. Shankaras. Right? Word is formations. So everything, your emotions, uh, dharma is physical, phenomena, whatever you want to call it, right? So, three marks of existence, anicca, dukkha, right? Dukkha, they translate as all sankharas are unsatisfactory. Very important, right? Because we commonly say uh, suffering, we do suffer, uh, but it's because we find them dissatisfying or unsatisfactory. And lastly, for the normal three marks of existence, we have anatta. Right? All dharmas, conditioned or unconditioned things, all things, are not self. Remember this. Not self. It's not all about you. As I said, the next is possibly what we might call the four marks of existence. Right? From the Yoga Karabhumi Shastra, four characteristics are described. You have your impermanence, anityakara, suffering, dukkakara, emptiness, shunyakara, and selflessness, anatmakara. Right? You can see the roots of a lot of these words. The reason why I mention this, of course, I've mentioned I'm a yoga karen myself. But more importantly, uh, you're going to see in the Pure Land and Tiantai and a number of these traditions where they're going to either include or replace dukkha with nirvana. Okay, So I argue maybe we should just switch to the four. Because again, uh, in another uh, passage, they talk about anitya which is all compounded phenomena are impermanent. Dukkha, which is all contaminated phenomena are suffering. Why? Because if it's an ego-based desire, a selfish-based desire, it's contaminated. If you wish to liberate all sentient beings, as I said earlier this morning, that's not a selfish desire. The same idea of um, you know, action that we spoke this morning. Not all action will bring you negative karma, right? It's about intent. It's about residing in this understanding of this next. All phenomena are without self. Anatman, right? All phenomena are without independent self. You're not special, okay? And finally, there's our nirvana, right? Is peaceful or peace, which is shanta or shanti, right? Peace, okay? It goes on. And it mentions in the Samyukta Agama, they call him the third, uh, Dukkha is the third Dharma seal. 
and replaces dukkha. You'll see that in the Chinese tradition. Uh, right? So, now, lastly, I just want to talk about uh, pyro again, or pyronism. As I said, he traveled to India with Alexander the Great. He spent about 18 months learning Indian philosophy from, uh, at that time, would have been early Mahayana and maybe even Chittamatran school. Upon returning to Greece, he founded his own school of Hellenistic philosophy, Pyrrhonism, which he based on what appears to have been his interpretation of the three marks of existence. He summarized them as follows. Whoever wants to live well must consider these three questions. First, how are pragmata, ethical matters, affairs, topics? Sila. Samasila. How are they by nature? Secondly, he says, what attitude should we adopt towards them? Thirdly, what will be the outcome for those who have this attitude? And Pyro's answer is that as for pragmata, they are all adiphoria, undifferentiated by local differentia. They're also astathmeta, unstable, unbalanced, not measurable. That's our impermanence. And anapikrita, unjudged, unfixed, undecidable. That's kind of what we said uh, when we were trying to understand uh, emptiness as it's not this, it's not that, and it's neither this nor that, and it's both this and that. It's that superposition I spoke of. Um, if anything, that movie, The Three Buddhas, you may have been able to take away um, from, and again, they had advisors on the set, and they show you that the tea doesn't change the nature of the cup. The tea itself doesn't change uh, no matter what the vessel it's in. You smash the vessel, the tea is still the tea. And as he shows on the floor, in the mug, in the pot, it's all the tea. Where this metaphor fails is the tea in the liquid form, the liquor, is not its original form. So if we follow the tea back to the leaves and the water again, it, the metaphor fails. But the idea, if kept simple, is understandable. So Pyro goes on and says, Therefore, neither are sense perceptions nor are doxi, views, theories, or beliefs, tell us the truth or lie. So we certainly should not rely on them. Rather, we should adoxaxtoa, without views, aklinesis, aklinesis, whatever. Uninclined towards this side or that. Again, we just talked about this. And then finally, it's a acradantua. Unwavering in our refusal to choose. Again, this is this dispassionate observation. Saying about every single one that it is no more is than it is not, or both is, or it is not it, neither is, nor is not. <laughs> it's exactly what I said before I even finished reading. Right. Philologist Christopher Beckwith has identified the three terms here by Pyro to be nearly direct translations of Anatta, Dukkha, and Anicca into ancient Greek. Right. <laughs> and as I've said before, it doesn't mention here, but if we go to uh, scholarly works on similarities between Pyronism, Pyronism, and Buddhism, I said Pyronism because. They actually will insinuate, so he went and spent 18 months in India, 
learning from the Indians, went back and did a near direct translation of the Marks, Three Marks of Existence. Yet, he marked down his philosophy. It was translated in Indian, and it was his interpretation of Indian philosophy that then influenced further Indian philosophy into developing Yogacara, Chittamatra, later Mahayana, and maybe even the Nalinda tradition. So, wait a minute here. If we look at when that guy was there, right? I mean, it's absolutely arrogant to think that he would have influenced the Indian philosophy because we can see the, the roots of all of the philosophy as I'm following you through this. You can see its roots in Hinduism, in the Vedic tradition, arguably the pre-Hindu, but the Vedic tradition, the Upanishads. You can see all of this in there, right? Just with different translations. And nowhere does it say, oh, well, I invented my... No, they always build upon it. But get your little Greek white guy and his arrogance here. And of course, he gets taught some stuff by the Indians and he uh, translates it and all of a sudden it's his fantastic idea. And the arrogance that has flowed since, is as if these Indians would have read his books and said, oh my God, you're right. Forget the fact that we have a thousand, two thousand, three thousand year old tradition of developing upon uh, the previous philosophy, right? Forget all that, but no, 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 no. This one guy is going to completely change uh, Buddhism and Indian philosophy forever. 